Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are just 10 days away from the NFL draft, and quite frankly, it's Christmas. There's going to be a lot of hope for this Minnesota Vikings team, and but we still have a long way to go. The Vikings made a signing today to beef up the cornerback room. There's more drama with Daniil Hunter, and we will talk about that and a lot more. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire, betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and the Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, top right corner, it is producer Dave. Dave, how are you doing on this wonderful Monday? Well, it's been a busy, busy, busy Monday. Lots of Viking news out there. We'll get into some of that. Want to welcome everybody that's in the comments already. You guys rock. Let's talk some Vikings yes, football. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, if you are new to the show, um, welcome, first off. And second, you're going to get comprehensive Minnesota Vikings analysis from every angle. And the best part is we don't have to pay anybody. We, we are our own bosses. We're going to give you our true, honest opinions and that – is honestly where the best analysis comes from. Genuine analysis by looking at every angle. So we have the passion for this team, and we're excited to continue to deliver that here on Vikings First and Skull, where you can subs- please subscribe to our YouTube channel and help us continue to grow that. If you're more a podcast person, go subscribe to our podcast feed. All you have to do is search Vikings First and Skull. And if you just love us, subscribe to both. Help us out. We greatly appreciate it. Um, the more, the merrier as far as those subscriptions are going. Dave, I do have some bad news. My feed is still blurry, so we're going to have to work through that with the mock draft again. It's, it. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, I have a pretty new laptop. I got it in August, so it may be trying have to do with your internet speeds. Yeah, that very well could be. We can test that later. Um, anyways. Let's have some fun here today. And Dave, we're going to start off the conversation with the beginning of the off-season program. And today was the first day for off-season program. And but here's what's noteworthy, okay? This is voluntary. But most players have it built into their contract that if you show up, you get anywhere from like fifty dollars to $100,000. And the Vikings actually have built in to... Marcus Davenport's contract, something like $2 million for workout bonuses, which I think is their way of trying to push more money next year. Um, because I think he didn't show up last year for those, which makes it a not likely to be earned incentive. So you can do that. It's a. Yeah, it's one of those tweaks. This is, Rob Brzezinski knows one of those tricks. This is the genius of Rob Brzezinski. Okay. If you show up, basically, you get paid for showing up. Usually between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars. Those are kind of the normal benchmarks. Sometimes you'll see it at like two hundred to give like a little extra incentive. But for some of these guys, it's a drop in the bucket. For others, fifty grand is a lot of money in context to what they're making in the NFL, not just in a general sense. So fifty thousand dollars makes a massive de- a deal to a lot of these lower level guys, and that's why you see a pretty good turnout across the board. Two guys that are not going to be in attendance. One of them we kind of already knew with the report over the weekend that he was likely he could be released before the NFL draft, and that was running back Dalvin Cook. If you were watching this weekend, he won the catch, which was a fishing competition. He and Matt Judon, edge from the New England Patriots, were on a team, and they ended up winning the competition, catching multiple fish and beating out the rest of the NFL that players that were playing. 
and edge rusher Daniil Hunter. Um, we've basically been projecting this forever. I don't know if we've specifically said it on the show, but I never expected him to end up making it to these offseason activities. Well, let's just be honest. He's only going to be bringing in $4.9 million in cash. He knows what he's worth. And even if you just don't want to talk about cash, because you do a lot of signing bonus and stuff, so the cash brought in during the year on a $20 million contract may only be like $12 million. Well, his cap hit at $13.1 million doesn't scream one of the best edge rushers in the league either, so he's obviously unhappy. How will this get resolved? We really don't know. But this is the first step in Daniil Hunter kind of um, sharing some of those thoughts and giving away, hey, this is what's going on. I don't want to do this. And bing, bang, boom. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll find out how this goes. I mean, he's played this game before. Part of Daniil's problem was his representation prior. I think he switched since, giving mm-hmm. him such a poor deal. And and Rob Brzezinski and the boys <laughs> used last year. They gave him more of his you know money up front. So he'd play, and now he's left with what's on his contract, and it's pittance. And that's why he's upset. But part of that being upset is on him. It's, it is what it is. Now, what will the Vikings do? I don't know. If they trade him, the Vikings take a bigger hit. It's going to cost <clears throat> them. Uh, so whatever team wants him is going to have to offset that somehow, some way, either in value of draft picks or in cash, homie. Um, and sometimes trades work that way, but we won't know until it happens. And that's kind of the tough part. Um, there's been talk about a potential Daniel Hunter trade for a long time. Um, but we here's here's what's going on. We really don't know what his value is going to be. And we talked about this last year. Or sorry, I think it was last week, actually, Dave. Um, if this was two years ago, like the before the neck injury in 2020, you're talking about potentially two first-round picks, the, Keneal, the, sorry, the Khalil Mack trade. Now... I genuinely don't know if you get one and that has nothing to do with his skill talent. That has to do with the fact that he has the neck injury and then he had a torn pec. And yes, he did play every game last year, but when you basically missed the majority of two seasons in a row, that raises a lot of concerns, especially for somebody you're going to commit a lot of draft, excuse me, a lot of draft capital to along with a big contract extension. So you're kind of talking about everything all encompassing here, Dave. And cool, I got the hiccups right as we're doing our show. This is awesome, awesome, awesome audio. But when you encompass all these things together, you don't know what his value is going to be. But all it takes is two teams. And the reason I say that instead of one team, when there are multiple teams involved, the price goes higher because you can pit them against each other and up the bid. Mm -hmm. If a team like, oh, you're the only team interested, well, I'll give you a third-round pick there are two teams invested maybe it's a first and a third round pick because both teams are fighting to get him like these are both hypothetical scenarios i'm not going to commit to anything being the value because i genuinely don't know if i were another team trading for a 29 year old daniel hunter i would start by offering a three and then be willing to potentially give up a late one that's kind of where my mind is at i don't know what the nfl will think and honestly that's the only thing that really matters especially because you're going to have to pay him. What do you think, Dave? Well, there's the one catch, though, and this is what bothers me. If they trade Daniil Hunter, uh, there's an acceleration of salary that comes on to this year, and I think it goes up to $18 million it would cost the Vikings in salary cap versus if he stays and then it's only $13 million or whatever it is. It's just like a $6 million jump. Or something like it, six to eight million jump, um, just cost to get rid of him. That to me, if I was the Vikings, would have to be figured into the trade. If mm-hmm. if that team's going, I'll give you a third, and you go, <laughs> you can go stick it where the sun don't shine, because we're not going to give you a top ten, top twenty edge rusher in the league for that, and then have to pay. So you get him on the cheap and then can sign him to a long-term deal, and you're all nice and happy. 
because you don't have to pay him much this year. You've got to compensate us for the ability to get him. And if you're going to do that, either one, you're going to offset the costs, which is a possible trade deal, or you're going to do it in value and draft picks. And you're got and you got and that raises that draft pick. Uh, and you're going to look at it and go, well, I can give you a third, and, and you go, ah, no, that mm-hmm. quote eighteen million, and we know how good he is, is worth more than a third. You got to up that. And then will it be a second? Will it be a first? Will it be next year's first? However they want to play it, they are going to have to do that to offset that. Because I wouldn't just trade him and then eat all that money and go, hey, we traded him. He's no longer on the roster. We're sticking with younger dudes. Well, that's a bad move because you got you didn't get the value from him. And uh, that's the problem I have. So I'm curious to see what the front office does because I'm not sure they're going to be do it well put it that way but we'll see I'll say this much and we'll we'll move on because the Vikings also signed a player today Um, one of the big things here Dave is and let's jump into this quarterback Daniel Hunter could be a a trade piece to get a quarterback and it's not something that people want to hear and it's not necessarily something I'm going to advocate as far as doing, but you have to keep that in the back of your mind. Let's, let's, let's shoot here. Arizona Cardinals. They need everything. You offer them Daniel Hunter and three first round picks. So you can go get your choice of C- likely at this point, CJ Stroud will love us Anthony Richardson because it's come. News is coming out that the Texans aren't taking a quarterback at two. They're going to get a defensive playmaker. And then Bryce young is almost a guarantee at this point to go first overall. Like, that's a pretty enticing trade package. You get a young star player and you get multiple first round picks after this year to be able to continue to build your roster. Like, is it necessarily a good move? That's debatable. And I'll put it this way. If it hits, it's a great move. If it misses, it's a bad move. But the process, if you want to talk about process, trading an edge rusher about to exit his prime that has dealt with injury issues before you have to essentially overpay him, is a smart business decision. It's why we're potentially moving on Kirk Cousins one year too early as far as what his production profile has been, because you want to be too early than too late, and it's a Bill Belichick principle. I think Kirk Cousins' best year as a Viking was 2022, and there's a lot of people that will come at me and be like, no, it was 2020, or it was 2019, like, like, look, you got to watch it more critically than just watching on Sundays to really see some of this nuanced stuff. And you can't just look at box scores. You got to look at what he's doing, why he's making decisions. And last year, he was tremendous in how he made his decisions and his decision making and trying to attack down the field. That was massive for the Vikings. All the way up to a fourth and eighth. Yeah, that stunk. He reverted back to his old self. But that the whole reason you'd include Hunter is because then you don't have to give up one any extra draft pick compensation, especially in a draft where you don't want to give up your third, then you wouldn't pick again until 119. Would you do it if the quarterback hit? Oh, yeah. You give up all your draft picks this year if the quarterback hit and was a star. But it's trying to be cost-efficient and try to pay as little as absolute possible. And also try to understand that, hey, we have all these edge rushers. We have Zadarius. We have Marcus Davenport. Like, they signed Davenport to that deal because they want to give him a long-term extension. They want to, but they are not comfortable doing it yet. They want a little more data. They want a little more information. They want to see him stay healthy. Once they see those things, Dave, that's when you're going to see a change, and that's when you're going to see Davenport get that contract extension. I don't know if this would be a good move. I, I think you can argue both um, both ways. But if you really want that quarterback of the future, and you really believe it's one of C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, or Will Levis, you go up and you get that guy. If you don't believe that they're that guy, then you consider them at 23. But if you're sold, like... The Chiefs were sold Patrick Mahomes is going to be this great player. The Bills were sold that Josh Allen was going to be this great player. 
you go get him. You may end up with a Jared Goff who you need to dump in five years. You may end up with a Carson Wentz who gets too far into his own head. He starts to stink after playing like a borderline MVP. But you have to take that chance if you believe he's that guy. And you have to do so with conviction. And you have to do so with gusto. And if you end up being wrong, you got to live with it. But at least you had the balls to try. And that's something the last regime... And they lost the fastball on that. And I think the beginning of that was the Cordero Patterson trade up. And then it finished off with the Sam Bradford experiment. They never trade up, traded up again. Not in the, after that 2017 not significantly, draft. not the early rounds. No, Tw- uh, 2017, they traded up in the second, they traded up in the third. And I think they traded up in the fourth as well to go get guys that they targeted. And it, I'd say it worked out decently well, but look, if you believe in the guy, you have to go get him. And I'm going to hit hit that, hit that, hit that. If the Vikings think Kenyon Hooker's that guy at 23, I will hate it. But I will live <laughs> with it, and I will end up trusting their process and hope they're right, and I'm wrong. Hey, like, like that, I that's, said on, that's it. Like I said on Sunday, because two of bloggers was, was delayed today, Quasi talked about they're looking for an impact player. Mm-hmm. If they, And they both got to agree, he and KOC, and if they believe said player, no matter who it is, is that impact player, then the pro- process is generally correct at that point. Um, and then you're weighing how much is it going to cost you, and then you want to get that as efficiently as possible. That's when Brez comes into play. We'll see what happens. It's it's going to be interesting. We're a week and a half away. I know. I'm really excited. Um, Dave, this is going to be a fantastic, fantastic process. So, And I appreciate everybody in the chats arguing over Daniil Hunter. It shows that, you know, Not everybody is on the same page or believes, and you know some of that resides within Egan. So there's probably the same arguments going on in Egan as well. So Mm -hmm. um, it's it's going to be interesting. Now, does he have the most value of between him and Dalvin Cook? Probably uh, when it comes to trades, especially with Dalvin's. Salary, it's uh, without a doubt he's a he as a top ten edge rusher, making as little as possible. He he's got to be attractive. So we oh, shall yeah. see. And if you, I like your idea. If they tie that up with moving up and grabbing, you know, one of the four quarterbacks. Hey, yeah, it's and uh, Davey said it. I'd rather be wrong and win a Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. If, if the Vikings win a Super Bowl and I'm wrong, pff, I don't care. Here's, here's the weird thing about the NFL and prognosticating and being a general manager. You're going to be wrong. It's, it's like a baseball player, okay? Baseball player, if you hit three out of every ten pitches for hit, like ten at-bats, three hits and ten at-bats, that's considered really good. Now, general managers, they're going to miss a lot in the draft. It's about missing as little as possible and being as smart as you can with your process. Mm-hmm. Like, I ain't perfect. Nobody in the chat's perfect. Dave's only perfect when it comes to producing. <laughs> Not even then. Like, um, it, it's, that's the thing, though. You ha- want to lose the least amount. And it's not necessarily about, hey, being safe. You can argue, and I don't remember who said it, but I want to give them the credit if I remember. Uh it's not that a, a safe player is a guy who is considered NFL ready, who can just come in and operate an offense. No. A lower, like a, like a high floor player, if you have elite traits, that raises your floor. Because even if you're not consistent with it, you still have this ability to take over a game because you have these great traits. And you can end up maximizing it. Like, there's so many little nuances here, but at the end of the day, you just don't want to be bad. You want to be capable. 
you want to be able to lose the least while still finding your massive hits. Like I, I was looking at it this weekend. Rick Spielman's tenure at the end was fascinating. Of his first and second round picks, he had two massive hits, a pretty good hit, and an unfortunate situation that is really difficult to quantify. Justin Jefferson, Christian Derrissaw, Ezra Cleveland, and Jeff Gladney were his four top 64 picks, his last four. That's pretty good. Like that, like you would take that. You have one miss, and that miss you'll never truly know for multiple reasons if it could have been a hit. Like that's I'm I'm happy with that. Like that's you want to lose less, but you also have a lot of clunkers in there and like outside of 2015, he had a bunch of struggles. Like that's part of the draft. That's why GMs cycle out a lot because they have it's like a wrestling booker. Uh-huh. Um, oh yeah, he's very good at choosing fine whiskeys, Davey. You are a hundred percent right. Um, wrestling bookers they create storylines. They create matches, and after a certain point, you have what's called burnout, where you just you need a break. You run out of ideas, and that's normal. That's that's normal for everybody, and sometimes you just need to slide someone else in. Like, man, you know what? For Rick, it was just his time. He he is whether he will admit it or not. By his performance, you could tell that there was some burnout there. He'd lost his fastball, and they ended up moving on. And we'll see what Quasi has because we genuinely just don't know what he has outside of one draft and now a second free agency. Like he's trying to fix a lot of Rick's mistakes and like, this is going to be very interesting, but the big thing, and I'll leave it at this with quarterbacks. If you have a guy, go get him, go get him, pay the price, go get him that easy. That's simple. We talked about it yesterday, and the guys in the chat are also talking about it. Value of Daniil. D- is he an impact player? Yes, and you want those. You want those. What we talked about yesterday is brought in the nerd term. Uh, what was it? Um, points EPA? Not EPA. Um, Estimated expected points, points added. added. Um, you want guys that are impactful, that raises that number across, if you take the team's number, raises that number up, right? And is Daniil one of those guys? Yes. The quarterback's the most important. He can he can flux it up or down the most, and you want him. Everybody else usually follows falls in that average range, right? So you could swap them out in a, you know, with another average guy, and you're not moving that that level at all it's it's all about the same you can get the bottom type that drag it down but you need you need a bunch of that middle tier because you can't have all the high ones and you need Mm -hmm. specific high ones impact guys both on offense and defense and defense when it comes to stopping the pass whether it be Defending it on the backside or rushing it on the front side is so, so important. It absolutely is important, Dave. And I'm kind of looking at it like I think that the Vikings, if they end up trading Hunter, mm-hmm. like I think it'll be a smart move overall just because salary cap and um, – all, all those other things, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we've spent a lot of time on it. We're already a half hour into the show, and there's other things that we need to talk about. Yes, um, we do. We got a new guy on the team this week. Yes, we um, we do have a new guy on the team, as I, um, I'm typing a message in the in the comments section right now. Um, his name is JoJuan Williams. Um, he came from the New England Patriots. And he was a second round pick out of Vanderbilt um, in 2019. Uh, look, he plays the same a 2019 defense. picture, by the way. Yep. Here's a 2022 picture. He's so he's an interesting player. Bigger guy, length, not very fast, not super quick, but 
what he is good at is being able to utilize his size um, to his advantage. And one thing that I think is it's it, this is very similar to the signing last year of Jonathan Bullard in July. He knows the defense. He's going to be able to help these guys install it. And because he knows the defense, it's going to be a massive benefit. Now, this is probably your CB4. You know, there's a chance he doesn't even make the team. I'd say he's a roster bubble-ish type of player. Um, But at the end of the day, you have a guy that knows this system. You have a guy that's going to be able to help. And obviously, Brian Flores and Kevin O'Connell probably had a conversation with Bill Belichick about him at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what do you think of this guy? He did miss all of 2022 with a shoulder injury that he suffered in training camp in mid-August. Now, obviously, you have to make sure that clears out, and that's why the contract is not officially signed. But rather, Dave, the contract is – they've agreed to terms. My guess is the terms are um, the Duke-Shelly contract or less. It's probably a minimum deal. Maybe with some ins- playing time incentives to give him a little bit more. Um like, we'll see. Um, I see in the comments they're talking about a four six forty. Look, at the end of the day, when you have so here's the thing with a with the forty time. If you have length, that matters just a little bit less. Okay, like if JoJuan Williams has three inch longer arms than another corner, he can run a little bit slower because in theory he's getting to the ball faster anyways because he's got the long arms. So I think it's a concern but you're not talking about a guy you want to start. This is the depth guy. And I think that this is a, a solid depth addition, especially when you consider the price. Like I have no issues with it. And you know what? There's probably not a whole lot guaranteed. And if he stinks during training camp, um, there you go. Mm-hmm. He, he adds to the cupboard. We talked about it yesterday on two old bloggers. The quarterback cupboard is low. We up until this morning when we signed this kid, we only had five, right on the roster. Two of them are special are practice squad guys, and uh, so and you need at least ten going into camp, at least ten, and you want more. You want to keep roughly six on the fifty three ish. So. We need corners. This is one way to pick up corners. I fully expect in the draft we'll pick up another one. Whether it be early, late, or whenever, we'll get at least one more in the draft. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here because we're going to transition, Dave. We may have to – I think we're going to push the betting portion of the show to next Monday. Okay. Because this Wednesday we're going to have Brett Coleman, um, who now works the for the NFL. Brett Coleman. Yes. Yes, I'm. I'm really excited to have him on to talk ball, and we're going to talk. I, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. I we literally may just have him on, and we're just going to literally talk NFL draft for however long, just because. Who need? We have a topic. We don't need to be super specific. We've done so many position groups. The only ones we really haven't done are offensive line at this point. Safety that class stinks. It's Brian Branch, and then a bunch of meh. Um, we'll pr- we'll try and cover that as well, but and we're working on bringing in Arifa Specialists, not that we're going to draft one. <laughs> God, you know what? I I I'm too busy. I'll be honest to talk about specialists. I just am. Um, I'm working twelve to sixteen hour days, getting all this stuff done. We're not doing specialists. I apologize. Specialists matter. They exist. I am fine with drafting one if they end up sticking around. If Daniel Carlson would have stuck around past week two, guess what? We'd have an all pro on the team at kicker. That's worth around five pick to me. I, I'm sorry. Like so many people are like, oh, you can get specialists anywhere. If they hit and they're really good, it's worth it. Like I get the detractors. Oh, but so often they don't hit. Okay, that's fine. But if they hit, they're great. So who gives a shit? Just chill. Um, Arif is going to come on and we're going to, um, we're trying to get a date scheduled right now. Um, if you don't know him, Pro Football Network, Norse Code, um, Minnesota Football Party with Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Um, and we'll probably just end up talking ball, just like we're going to do with Brett. And next Wednesday is going to be a really fun show as before we transition into um, the second annual All-Forno team. Um, we're going to bring back uh, a few previous guests. Um, 
That is AJ Schulte of RPM Data, JP Acosta of SB Nation, and Kevin Fielder of the Vikings Wire. We're literally just going to sit and talk like a bunch of idiots at a bar. But except it being idiots, we're all we are all knowledgeable about the NFL draft. We're just going to have a conversation. We're going to get the comments engaged, and it's just going to be unhinged. It's going to be fun, and Dave's probably going to be like, "What in the hell did I get myself <laughs> into?" It's going to be a really good time. So that's what we have coming up. Um, Dave, uh, Davey asked uh, something very interesting that I don't have any context of because I uh, have not been his watched trade the show. down proposal, and I don't remember it to tell you the truth. Davey, uh, if he, you remember it, throw it in the comments, and we'll we'll end up talking about but it. But he okay? talked to him about a trade down proposal yesterday, and I'm cool with trade downs as long as we're not giving up that impact player. As long as when I talked about it yesterday, I had a nice little chart that have on the mock draft database has uh, a group of ten or twelve players that are all showing Minnesota Vikings of selecting all that group. And if all those guys are available and you're happy with all those guys, trade down, right? Because one of them will be available when you trade down, if you don't trade down too far, right? One of those guys will be available. You get value. You select whoever, you know, whatever guy doesn't get picked that's just on your list and you're good to go. Um, a reef short, bald, but knowledgeable. Arif was highlighted today on PFF. He was also highlighted on another show that I had listened to. Arif is quite knowledgeable. He is he developed what is it? The Consensus Big Board. And he yep. did that well over a decade ago on spreadsheets, but it takes the guys that are the scouts that evaluate players as they were in college, and then the projecting-type scouts, the ones that say, this guy will turn into this guy in the NFL, and he mashes those together in a spreadsheet, and he sees the highest picks and the lowest picks, and he gives the average and the windows of that, and his consensus big board is over 80% correct over a decade. I mean, it is historically correct what he does. And Arif is quite knowledgeable, and I'm happy his career has taken off. He started at the Daily Norseman, and he is now nationwide NFL rep. So kudos for Arif. He is extremely knowledgeable. Yeah, um, Arif rules. Um, if you've never had an opportunity to talk to him, just a he's just a great human being. Um, and I'm really excited to have him um, on the show. Um, once we get the date, we'll want to figuring it out. Um, and then after the draft, we're going to have Connor Rogers of NBC Sports Edge, a really good friend of mine, to talk about um, the Vikings NFL draft and try to figure out what's going on moving forward. But Dave, let's talk about the Alforno team. And I want to give some context as to what the Alforno team is. Mm-hmm. The All Forno team is it's basically my favorite players in the class. That's it. It's just, it's not who's the best. It's not who is gr- like really really good. It's I loved watching these guys play football. That's it. Um, last year the captain of the team was Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave. Everybody knew my love for Olave. I had my name in a couple Discord chats, uh, Chris Olave season. I, I was obsessed, obsessed with Chris Olave. Um, so this year, instead of six players, it is eight. And I'm really excited to share that. But before we do that, Dave, Davey has um, his trade proposal. Yes. There. He talked about trading down, but not only part of trading down, in that trade down to gather some of the picks for next year as well as part of that trade. And I do think it's a good idea if that works out and then they use them next year, if they feel they've already got the guys they want and they can do that by all means. Yeah. I I think that's a, that's an interesting idea to try and like get like a first next year. Um, I was, or a second or something. It depends where you are in the draft, but to give you a little bit more ammunition next year to move up. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about um, 
about trying to get a first next year. I think the only way you're doing that is if you're giving up a player or you are going back from like first to if the Dolphins want to come up, mm-hmm. you're giving up one and then you're getting 51 in our first next year. That's the only way I can see it happening unless you're giving up a player as well, just because that's like 23 doesn't hold a lot of value it, right? in terms of recouping another first round pick. Well, I and mean, we weren't talking about first. We were talking second and third and stuff like that because okay. it doesn't. And it, it makes sense if you're going to think you're going to package them next year. Even if they draft, say, Hidden Hooker in the second or third round, right? I'll and we you. move down to get him. You've got a year to see, is he worth it? Is he, you know, can he make it? And if, you know, sitting on the bench just like with – um Mond, you know, the coaches can go, ah, no, we don't need to see him play. We see him every day in practice. No, right? They can do that with Hooker and go, ah, no, we're going, and then package those up next year and get whoever for mm-hmm. uh, an eventual Kirk Cousins replacement. Because everybody thinks the next year's quarterback group is going to be so good. We hear it year after year after year. And. Occasionally, hey, let's, some of them do, and some years they flame out. They just they also they thought that quarterback group was going to be great in twenty one. Um, mm-hmm. They thought there's twenty two. They thought Spencer Rattler was going to be one hundred one, and they had other guys projected high. Here's the thing: you don't know, and that's what I'm going to say. You don't know mm-hmm. if you're not sold on a guy. I understand waiting, but don't specifically wait on one guy because you don't. No, mm-hmm. you just don't like even Andrew Luck for all his hits. He lasted in the NFL, what, six years? And then he retired randomly, like during uh, training he camp. Was, he was like, beat up. But that, yeah, but, that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You don't know. And like, just be careful. Be careful cl- uh, claiming next year's class. They still have an entire year of college football left. They still have an entire year to show their development and develop or not develop. Like, there's a lot going on there, and you have to be careful. Um, let's hit a couple questions, and we're going to break out this all 4 team and then do a mock draft. Um, that Let's see. Where did they go? Because there's been a few others. Oh, yeah. Um, the chat's been and, hot tonight. Yeah, it has been. I love it. I love it. I love it. Anthony asks, is it possible we move a three guys on draft night? I think it's very possible that, that they move three in some capacity. If I had to put the over under, I'd put it at one and a half um, because I think I think Dalvin Cook and Zadarius Smith leaving the team makes the most sense during the draft or before it. So between now and during and the end of the draft, I would say one and a half um, because there's a chance that you end up keeping one of those guys because you don't get feel like you're getting good enough value. Vikings seem content to hold on to Zadarius Smith. They really do, Dave, mm-hmm. and because they're content holding on to him, well they. They'll use him. Like, they have no problem using the player. Um, Kyle asks, uh, what do you think Dalvin is worth? Nothing? I don't think he's worth nothing, but I don't think he's gonna, he's worth nearly as much as you could have got from him a couple years ago. I think if you find a team to pay a fourth or a fifth, you run, you call the league office right away and s- verify that trade. It's not just the talent. It's the age. It's the wear and tear. And it's, it's the, cost. Uh, the contract. Plus, you have a really good running back class coming in. Somebody offers you a five and you don't take it, considering you'd save an extra two million dollars against the salary cap. I have questions. Like you have to understand the market you're in, and and like I say this contextualized because I don't have these conversations with NFL GMs. I can only go by what I know, and what I know is if you get offered a five and you're going to get rid of the guy anyways, you don't take it. You're doing something wrong because I don't think you're getting more than that. Like uh, running back is we dump Kirk next year without getting a suitable replacement is nuts. That may happen though. It may happen on its own because he's on the last year of his contract. He can leave after this season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whether there's a replacement we'll in place or not, he can leave. Yeah. And I suspect we'll he will. It's Dave. It's going to be very interesting. Um, but let's. Uh, Let's get on to the all Forno team. Da, 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 da. Okay. I, I love 
this group of players. It's eight guys, and I'll be honest, because of the Vikings' needs and my limited amount of time, I watched no offensive linemen this year. Um, I just got done with my 10th quarterback. I watched 20 wide receivers. I got 12 corners, seven edge rushers, and I'm going to try and get some more defensive linemen um, go, uh, done here in the next few days because I want to try and get those watched as well. This is a fun class, and I'll say this much. My um, my all Forno team has two receivers, two corners, a quarterback, Two running backs, and what was what was the last guy? I'm blanking. You got. Uh, let's see. Uh, a cor- running uh, back, running uh, back, corner, corner, QB, a safety hybrid, corner safety. Let's start at the top. Let's start with the team captain of the All Forno team, and that is North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs. Um, somebody that I really like, um, I've talked about him on the show multiple times, Luke Braun, um, host lockdown Vikings. He, he has this bit where he calls, um, small players podcasters. And it, it kind of makes sense because, um, if, if you've ever met Luke in person, he's not the largest guy. If you've ever met me in person, I look like I should be an offensive lineman in the NFL. Um, but it, he's like, well, if you're a podcaster, I, I don't want you. That's kind of the bit, but it's not, it's. Not a one-to-one. Like, Downs is a smaller guy, but he plays big. He was the number one contested catch receiver per PFF last year. And at 5'9", 171 pounds, he was very good, explosive in and out of routes. Um, He has some refining that he needs to do, but I loved his game. He gave me flashes of Stephon Diggs with how he dips his hips and explodes outside, especially on, like, whip routes, return routes. Like, I think that he is just that good. And his film was just stupid fun. Um, I don't think he's a perfect prospect, especially like in this system. He'd basically be a slot. I think you could play him at Z on occasion because he's got the quick feet and he can win off of the line of scrimmage. But he's a guy you want to try to utilize in motion, get free releases to try and compensate for some of those physical limitations. But then that also can limitate your offense and uh, ability to attack down the field with him as well. Uh, but he... He was just so much fun to watch, and I absolutely loved his film. And if he um, if he ends up going to the Vikings, I'd be absolutely thrilled. Um, my prediction as of right now is the Vikings trade down and take downs. Um, we'll see. They're, the Vikings have been mocked as, as of this morning. I, fin- I calculated all industry mock drafts through Sunday. Dave, 388 mock drafts. 53 unique players. 53. That's absolutely bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Well, it's, There's no consensus anywhere. It shows how hype for players moves up and down since, you know, the end of last season to now, going through all the steps, the Senior Bowl, the East-West Shrine game, the, mm-hmm. um, the Combine. Regional combine, pro days. You see hypes go up, hypes go down, and uh, part of that's that. It's just sell clicks, and uh, people start talking about people. So we'll see. But it generally all comes back to about the same point when it hits draft night. Yeah. Who's the next on your list? We're going to stay with wide receiver. We're just going to kind of go down in the list. I have it in the article. If you want to follow along, I recommend it's got short write-ups and links to all their scouting reports. Um, it is SMU wide receiver Rasheed Rice. This guy plays like he's 6'3", 6'4". And I love his physicality. I love his ability to go up and get the ball. I also really liked his ability to win in space and get yards after the catch. He run his field speed is faster than what he ran at the combine, which I think was a four or five flat. This guy can take off and he can uh, keep separation from defenders. And I, I loved what he brought to the table. He had some struggles against better corners, um, uh-huh. especially playing at SMU. He, I mean, he played really good corners. He played guys like Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant. He played Deontay Banks this year, and they had a really good battle. Where he won some, he lost some. But when you look at all these things together, I think Rice could be a really, really good player. And think of a Robert Woods type player. Like, you get he's physical, you can get him in space, you can get him 
uh, taking advantage of, of it in the middle of the field. Like, I love this player. I think he's a mid to late second round guy at the highest at this point. I thought he could potentially be a first round guy. I just don't think testing was good enough for him to be able to get there. But I love what Rice is able to do. And especially being a six foot guy winning at the catch point with that kind of physicality, sign me up. Gotcha. Next guy on your list was a running back. UCL running back, Zach Charbonnet. Dave, if you would have dropped this guy into 1995, he would have ran for 1,300 yards. He is so multifaceted and talented, but he still has enough juice and athleticism to play in today's game, and he's a very well-rounded back. He is my third best running back this year, and I was honestly a little surprised at how much juice he had and how quick his feet were and his ability to just burst through the hole. Um, he has good hands as a receiver. He can run decent enough routes, and I think there's room for improvement there. But he's a 215-pound back that still has the ability to be a, a three-down back in today's NFL, mm-hmm. and I think that you cannot overlook that. Just just a really talented football player that finally got his shot against uh, or once he transferred to UCLA because he was in a very deep backfield at Michigan. Speaking of other running backs – we Our old colleague Oklahoma Ryan's going to be thrilled with that. Uh-huh. Yep, Eric Gray. I love, love, love Eric Gray. Senior, didn't get a chance to start or really be the guy until his senior year. Spent two years at Tennessee as a, a former fringe five-star recruit, um, depending on the recruiting site. And then he goes to Oklahoma, plays in the Lincoln-Riley offense when Riley was half-assed. Mm-hmm. Um, he was half-assing last year, but – he got into Jeff Levy's system, and you could tell that there were some warts. He wasn't seeing things very clearly. But as the season grew, um, I defer to um, my friend AJ about this because he's a big Oklahoma guy. He mentioned it to me. Then I went back to look at his film. I saw it. He improved with his vision throughout the year because he got more reps. And he could start to see holes open up better, and he's got really quick feet and enough burst to be able to get through them. He's a smaller guy. He's 5'9", but he's not small. Like, standing next to him at the Senior Bowl, his quads were just massive. He is a well-built 210 pounds, and he plays that way. He's a a natural receiver out of the backfield. This is a guy that you want to play as a third-down back right away, and eventually you're going to start giving more and more touches because he ends up making an impact on the field. Up next, we get into some corners. Oh, I love this dude. He, this dude is a psycho. His name is Darius Rush, South Carolina. We talked about him when, when we've done mock draft episodes. This guy loses a lot. And I want to contextualize that because he gets beat off the line of scrimmage, and then he's so fast. He ran a sub 4440. He's quick, and he's smart. Dave, he knows what routes are coming, so he can undercut him and make plays on the football. If you can teach him to not lose early so often, you can have a star cornerback on your hands. That's an if. Like, Trey Wayne's never figured it out. And that's kind of a good comparison <laughs> because they, like, Darius Rush is a much more Trey food athlete than Trey Wayne's. Turn his head. Wayne's was a stiff as a board. This guy. That was stiff. He just, he, Trey Wayne's was a very good NFL quality cornerback. Mm-hmm. He was one of those that, when I talk about that middle uh, expected points added, he's in that middle group, right? He was great at tackling, great against the run. It's just on passes. He could not read when a right wide receiver is keying and getting ready to look back that that was his key to turn around and look back with him. Trey Waynes couldn't do that for some reason. Um, he did learn. I, I'll give it to Zimmer. Taught him to at least when he started, the wide receivers started to look back. Trey Waynes then knew enough to get his arms up. But, uh, yeah. If this guy is as good as you say, but he needs to learn, it, it's it's worth. Where do you think he's going? Third round? Yeah, Fourth probably. Round? I think you could. I think you could sneak into the second. I'd say his range is. So th- this cornerback class is really going to be a pick your flavor draft. What do you want out of your corner versus I'm just going to take the best guy available? How big is he? How um, tall? Um, he's he's over six feet. Um, then I he, think he's and then one. he complies. 
Dan, hold on, hold on. Dan, exactly. Dan says, Rush likes to pick off dig routes. I really like him also. That, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Dan. Like One rep that really showed set him apart for me before I got into his college film was at the Senior Bowl. He got cooked off the line of scrimmage, and he stumbled. But he knew the route the receiver was going to run. So he ended up cutting off his the dig route before the receiver even broke off and got an interception. Like that's the kind of thing that he is so good at. And if you can just teach him to play a little smarter and use and then you can maximize his football intelligence and then you can do all these other things. I love the potential that this guy has. And I God, I would love him on the Vikings. This is a Brian Flores developmental project that he could turn into like a Jonathan Jones, who's just a, Really good corner for multiple years for you. We'll see, this is somebody I'd love to sit under Patrick Peterson if he was still here to uh, learn from, mm-hmm. you know, to take that talent and develop it. Next one is another corner. We have Julius Brents of Kansas State. Yeah, um, dude, I love, love Julius Brents. Um, Brents is a... So he is a big dude, all right? He is, what do you call it? He's like 6'3", 210, 34-inch arms. Look at those things. Like He's barely bent, and his hand is comfortably below his knee. This guy is long, but he can play press coverage. He had a 9.99 relative athletic score. Um, I, I love this dude. Um Didn't really know much about him going into the senior bowl, but he balled out. Just absolutely balled out. And he can play press. He can play zone. Um, Seattle's going to be obsessed with him because of how long he is and his athleticism. Press teams. I think he needs to be a little more physical and press. He can do it, but he needs to punch you in the mouth. He doesn't quite have that aggression yet, but he does show the potential to elevate the pop in his hands. And he played really well against my number one wide receiver, Quentin Johnston. I love what this guy brings to the field, and I think that he can be a really, really good football player for you. And Brents is my dude. Um, I, I think he's scheme versatile, but you might want to prefer him in his own scheme. Odie is uh, sniffing around, and I'm trying to make sure he doesn't eat anything that's going to kill him. I don't think there's anything in here that will kill well, him, but you both never those know if all these guys Darren did some sleuthing and found out that on all the drafts that Quasi's been involved with, um, they've drafted 10 to a dozen corners, and all of them except for three have been above six feet. He seems to have a type. Yeah, um, so I I wrote an article for the Vikings Wire where I tried to understand what some of Quasi's thresholds are. And one of the things I figured out is with defensive backs – he likes them in the 90th percentile in height. Mm-hmm. He likes the taller guys. Andrew Booth Jr. fit that. Uh, Caleb Evans fit that. Lewis Seen fit that. Um, will that come to fruition with Brents again? We'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, next is the only quarterback you had on the list, and he'll be a little oh, I love Jaron Hall. I don't care that he's 25 years old, and here's why I don't care. Hendon Hooker at 25 years old is a much older prospect than Jaron Hall at 25. Why? How does that make sense? Jaron Hall is yeah, – he served two years of the Mormon mission. So his body is two years less beaten up by football years. So in football years, he's a younger guy. And I think the value for uh, Jaron Hall, one, he's, he's almost better of a prospect in my eyes than Henning Hooker. Two, like I'd rather take the shot on a 25-year-old in round three or four than a 25-year-old at 23. I think the value is just significantly higher. Um, Hall already has a lot of um, experience running pro-style concepts. Now, he's running those pro-style concepts in a spread formation, but he's running max protect deep shots. He's running layered crossing routes where he's got to get the ball over the linebacker. He's doing a lot of the things that you see from NFL offenses. And, yeah, Dan, I agree. Um, that's that's going to be a big thing. Um what, when you when you look at everything that Jaron Hall has, he doesn't have the elite arm. He's six foot and one eighth inch tall. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but he's got that gamer mentality. He can throw off platform. He can create outside of structure. That athleticism rocks, and 
he can drop the ball in a bucket. You do put a 50 uh, bucket, like a homer bucket from Home Depot, 50 yards out, Darren Hall's hitting it. Not a lot of these guys are going to be able to hit it consistently. I know he can. Okay, now we get to our hybrid player, quarterback slash safety. One Brian that Branch. I like, Brian Branch. I love Brian Branch. I don't know if he's going to be a target for the Vikings just because of uh, positional value and how they how they would want him. This is Brian Flores' dream right here. He can play nickel. He can play outside in a pinch. He can play deep. He can play in the box. He can rove. He can do whatever you need. And that kind of versatility is something that Brian Flores just prioritizes with a bullet. And I think Branch brings that in droves. Now you can make the argument, oh, I don't want a safety two years in a row in the first round. He's not a traditional safety. He's going to be doing a lot of cornerback things too. At the end of the day, you need good football players that are going to help your defense, and Branch would be able to do that tenfold. I love this player. I have no idea what his draft stock is going to be as Odie is eating an Amazon box right now um, because he's a little he's a little fucking shit. Um, we need to see little, Odie. Well, I will try to bring him up because he is – He's uh he's a little too rambunctious right now for me to grab him. He's about to start barking at the box. Um, but yeah, I love Brian Branch. Well, that we're coming up on an hour. Do you want to squeak in a mock draft? Let's let's do a quick three rounder, like or sorry, a four rounder. Let's just do a quick one. Get everybody out of here because I know um, I need to get some stuff done here tonight. I got to prepare for the wild playoff game or later. And I have a lot of Vikings wire stuff I need to do, but we promised the people mock draft. We got to deliver. Let's make it happen. Welcome to the real Forno shows mock draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick? And who's your favorite choice? A little turkey. All right, guys. I apologize. I don't know if we're going to be able to get Odie on this program because he is looking at me like, don't you dare pick me up, Dad. He, like, I was trying to get him, and uh, we may just have to try and squeeze in a picture or something. All right. Mock <laughs> draft time. We're only going to do four rounds today. Because we just, well, let's be, let's just be honest with everybody. We kind of ran out of time. Um, we talked a lot, and I will never apologize for having really good conversation. Just because that's that's where you get some of the best stuff. But let's let's do a mock draft because I think this is going to be really important. Um, wow, we're up on the clock. All right. So twenty third overall. We're not going to do trades. We're we're going to kind of look at what players are going to be available. So you have Dalton Kincaid, Brian Branch, Brian Brisset, Anton Harrison, Will McDonald, Bijan Robinson, uh, Michael Mayer, Zay Flowers, Emmanuel Forbes. Look, you have some good players on the board here. And I think for this exercise, Dave, I want to take Brian Brisset. Brisset, athletic freak, big boy, has the ability to play. He's probably going to be a five tech. This is your Dalvin Tomlinson replacement with massive upside. <laughs> oh, bless me. Holy shnikes. Um, Whoa, so, there we go. Quarterback of the future, Tanner McKee. I'm not taking him, and I'll explain why in a minute. I want to finish with Brisset. Um, torn ACL in 2021. His, his little 15-year-old sister died in 2022. This dude's been through a lot. Plus, when you pair all that together, Dave – he had to deal with the uh, defensive coordinator change. Brent Venables had been so entrenched in that program, he left to coach Oklahoma after 2021. That had a massive impact on his um, on the end of his college career. Um, I'm willing to bet on him. He's the 20th ranked recruit of all time, according to the 24-7 sports composite. Like I, I love this dude. So let's talk about the quarterback, Tanner McKee. I just finished him up. You can go read my report on vikingswire.com. Look, I'm out on Tanner McKee right now. Um, I don't know how to really – context uh what he dealt with like that stanford offense blows it's so bad like (laughs) conceptually it's bad the talent around him is bad the play calling is bad but within that you can see great players rise above 
and be better than their surroundings. I did not see that from Tanner McKee. And to me, that's worrisome. I his ball well, he was recruited was just, and offered scholarships everywhere. Alabama, Notre Dame, uh, all sorts of schools were offering him. He's a five-star. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is a dude. And you gotta remember Stanford, after Andrew Luck and like Jim Harbaugh, David Shaw did a fantastic job with that program until the last couple of years. Like I'm out on McKee. If you're taking a mid-round guy, it's Jaron Hall, DTR, Clayton Toon for me. Like, I'm – nah, I'm good on Tanner McKee, man. Uh, Jake Hayner's a guy I'd consider as well. Very um, distributor of the ball. Like, he is Case Keenum without the bozo gene. <laughs> um, okay, so 87, Tank Dell. Let's talk about the two size-deficient guys. Tank Dell. Five eight and a quarter, 163 pounds, historically small. Trey Hodges Tomlinson, five seven and a quarter, 173 pounds, with under 30 inch arms. This dude is tiny. But if Trey Hodges Tomlinson was six foot with 33 inch arms, you would literally be talking about him as a top five pick because of the way this guy plays football. But because of how, like his size, you see him get beat. You see him getting taken advantage of in layered concepts. He can't play like a cover two drop because, or cover three, because when he goes back to try and attack the football, it gets over him because he's too small. So if you're going to take him, you may have to put him in the slot, um, but I think he could be really good there. I had a a high third round pick on him. I have a um, mid two on Tank Dell, and we need a wide receiver. So we're going to go Tank Dell here. And we're not going to look back. I really like his ability to get open. Dave, he's got tape all over um, when he was at Houston of him taking advantage of defenders and press coverage. He was beating him. He was beating him consistently. He's beating. I'll take him clean. you. I just don't it, like the size. But anyways, on I'm, paper, it's an issue. On the field, it really hasn't shown to be an issue. And you can work with it. Now you're going to have to do things to help him out. But the dude can ball. And I'm willing to take that risk at 87 considering what else is on the board. Now, our last pick of this draft. like Tank Dell almost made the all-forno team, but I didn't want to have too many receivers. I scouted 20 receivers. I have 65 guys fully written up. Like I didn't want to do too many receivers, so I limited it myself to two. Not a ton here. Um, Anthony Johnson Jr. from Iowa State, not a big guy, not a big fan. I know Dane Brugler had him in the seventh round of his mock draft that he released this morning. Dorian Williams, we heard Kevin Fielder, who if, if you are subscribed to the podcast feed, you were able to listen to that. That dropped last week. Talking about this linebacker class, I think he's a very good football player, but I'm I'm not sure if the Vikings will prioritize him. I'm not sure if they'll prioritize Tank Dell because they, they both played a group of five schools. Um Jaron Hall is the interesting one. He's an independent, and they're going to be in the Big 12 next year. So that's a power five to me, but how will that classify with his thresholds? Then we've seen after a year, literally nobody in the G5. Nobody. All 10 power five players. That says something to me. But I do like Dorian Williams. Richard's saying now take Jaron Hall. I like Jaron Hall. I don't even know if he's available here. I want to say he is. Um, you know me. I take Jaron Hall. I love Jaron Hall. Let's look. I met Jaron Hall. Just an incredibly nice individual. Um, he's a family man. Um, uh, yeah, he's already married with kids. That's not spelled right. Cody, stop! Stop eating that box. He's draftable. Still Let's take available. him. Let's take him. I'm going to pound the, pound the table for Jaron Hall. I have heard that Kansas City is very high on Jaron Hall, um, and they may take him as a backup. Just his skill set, what he brings to the team. And, like, you're going to lose a lot with Patrick Mahomes, but you can play a similar <laughs> style of football. And I want to preface that because of the things Jaron Hall can do. You can play a very similar style of football with Jaron Hall that you do with Patrick Mahomes. Now, you're not going to be as effective, but not having to change your offense for a new quarterback, I think, is a really big deal. And Jaron Hall comes in as a backup. I think you have a winner there. 
Cody enough. PFF usually likes you taking quarterbacks. They did not like the Jaron Hall pick at all. Ah, that's fine. But that is our quick three-round mock draft. We'll have more to talk about this week, guaranteed. As the week goes on, we've got tons of shows lined up and planned to run you all the way up to draft night. And draft night, we're going to be ha- we are finalizing what we are going to do. But with my Vikings wire responsibilities and us just having fleshed out this YouTube channel, we will not be going live the entire draft. Yeah, like we, we did won't last be doing wall to wall live, but we will be but doing gonna- some shows. So, oh yeah, um, make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you have those notifications on. I will be tweeting out when we'll I'll try to um, when we go out like about five minutes before we go live, but it's. A lot of it's going to be rapid fire. Like if the Vikings trade up to uh, third overall, um, whoa, <laughs> it's going to be like, fun. We'll find out. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Um, and the more we know, the more you'll know. And we greatly appreciate you taking time out on this Monday night. If you're listening on demand, don't forget we are live Monday night at six p.m. Central, Wednesday night at six p.m. Central, and Saturday afternoon at four p.m. Central time to uh, bring you great Vikings content live, but it's always available on demand. So if it doesn't work with your busy schedule, if you have kids, if you're uh, commuting home from work, here's what I do. I commute home from work. I turn on the YouTube video, have a Bluetooth. You don't need to see. You can listen. And that's the one of the beautiful parts of hey, our technology. These download days. it on your phone. I've got it on my – I use an Apple. I use iTunes Podcasts. I've got it there. I listen after the fact and go, shit. I should have said that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, no, that's how I, I listen most of the time is podcasts. So anywhere you find podcasts, you can find Vikings first in scope. Yep, absolutely. So you can make sure that you, you hit that subscribe, like, all those fun things. Give us Ring five star review on your podcast. Everything. It helps us, and we, we're we already at over 430 subscribers on YouTube, and we feel incredibly blessed and honored that you guys have shown us this kind of support already, and we can't wait to continue to bring you even more great stuff and eventually become the number one Vikings um, show on YouTube and in podcast form. Until then, make sure you tune in Wednesday night with Brett Coleman of The Film Room I and Bootleg Football. I can't wait to just sit down, have a cocktail. Dave, I don't know if you know this, He's a huge bourbon old-fashioned guy, so we can have some good conversation. Yes. Sounds great. Until then, from Dave, myself, Vikings first in school, the last thing we always say here, Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings! Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. And we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone!